All right, well, uh, how many of you do that feel like you're weak? <laughs> Trying to get all the plates spinning and chasing them around and keep them from going and he cracked eggs into a thing. And, uh, and that's how we kind of keep our pace of life these days, isn't it? Uh, seeking to balance family, marriage, kids, work, rest, play, projects, even church life. And uh, we keep searching for that balance, but it really never happens, does it? We just keep running from plate to plate to plate, and eventually we end up exhausted and tired. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we've been talking about this month, is just this idea of rest. And a lot of time we think that uh, rest is in competition with work, uh, that you can actually find some balance between the two, or that if you have do one, you can't do the other. But I think rest and work really... Uh, I look at them as uh, two sides of the same coin. One leads into the other, rest and work, working together, one to the other. It's not two coins or a pile of coins you're trying to balance out. It's actually a rhythm and something that God designed uh, within our lives and within uh, what he has created us for. And so uh, we know that the starting point for rest, just to get us all on the same point, is, is this. It says, Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for what? For your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And uh, that idea of yoke is Jesus coming alongside us, not giving us his burdens, but coming alongside and carrying our burdens with us, walking side by side with us. And so God's design and desire for our souls is to come to him, take his yoke, and learn from him about how to rest. So today we want to talk about how does this happen? What does it look like in our lives to rest? And answer that question. And I think the answer to that question, if we take it seriously and we dispel some of the myths around it, can exponentially increase your impact in life, your joy and your understanding of who God is. I think it's that important of a, of a topic for us to step into. And so, as we look here, my thing's not happy today, but uh, rest, I have an acronym for you today, is Rhythms, Enjoyment, Solitude, and Thankfulness. We're going to walk through that this morning and look at how we can develop rest into our lives through rhythms, solitude and thankfulness now notice it says rhythms it doesn't say balance uh, it does not say uh, get more balance in your life uh, balance everything on the spinning plates for a while it says rhythm rhythm is everywhere in life uh, if we're trying to chase this unattainable goal of balance, you might get it for a moment, but then guess what? Life happens, a new season happens. You have uh, young kids and moving on to being older kids, or you may have your work schedule change on you. I know many of you have that happen. And so all of a sudden you get balance and it's thrown off. So I think what God talks about, what's embedded in Scripture, is this idea of rhythm, and rhythm is everywhere. Your hand here, feel your chest. There's a healthy rhythm to your heartbeat, isn't there? God designed it that way. Look at the seasons. There's a rhythm all around this planet for seasons. You live by the ocean, there's a rhythm of the tide going in and the tide going out. 
coming in and going out, a nice rhythm. We see that in wildlife, there's a rhythm of migration that God built into animals to understand the seasons and what is best for them to flourish. Rhythm is everywhere. God is a God of design and rhythm. And if you, uh, we're going to be all over in the scriptures today, hunker down a few passages, but um, as we look at this, I wanted you to see just a um, couple things here. If you follow along in the first chapter of Genesis, we have the creation story, and then God declares things good. And then he says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Evening and morning the third day. Did you ever notice what's different about that than how we live? He says evening and then morning. He goes from a place of rest into a place of work. What do we do? We work, 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 work until we have to rest. Work and then, ah, collapse at night. Get up the next morning. But if we think of it as moving from a place of rest. We rest from a place of work and we work from a place of rest. That's God's rhythm for us. That's that coin. Two sides of the same coin that God has built in and designed for our good and for his glory. And that's quite a bit different than how we live. Um, it's a rhythm. But even Jesus lived by the Jewish pattern, the rhythm set with the Sabbath day uh, to keep holy and following that for 30 years in his life. But when his ministry started, he had a new rhythm. And you'll notice that often he takes a break and he prays and finds time with the Lord. And it's often before he's moving into a new ministry or he'll come and say it's time for us to move on from here the lord wants us to go out into this region and so even jesus developed a new rhythm in his life and his ministry as things changed and as i laid out and i've discussed in our first messages i believe that god uh, has be developed this principle of sabbath and it has been present um, and God sees, even in the New Testament, that one day out of seven should be a day of rest. And I think that's a creation ry rhythm established for our good and God's glory. And because of the Israelites being in slavery for so many years with no breaks, he put that in the Ten Commandments. In fact, he even built in to their commandments, if you read through the Old Testament, that once every seven years, the land should get a break so that it can produce its best crops. So they would rotate which part they planted on and even give the land a break. And so the rhythms of life God has built in. And so our lives are most uh, impacted uh, by... Yeah, I'll just have to see if I can have Randy uh, follow along for me here. Um, our lives are most impacted by rest when we choose an intentional rhythm of rest. And that intentional rhythm looks different for everyone. And they were starting to discover this in the early church. And so in Romans chapter 14, you can turn there if you'd like, or I'll read to you, but uh, they're, they're debating these laws that they had and these rhythms in life uh, that talked about what you need to eat or what you need, uh, which day is the Sabbath and how you're supposed to operate on the Sabbath. And so Paul steps in and he says... As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes that uh, 
he may eat anything, while another weak person eats only vegetables. Uh, one person, uh, in verse 5, see, esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, whether we are the, we are the Lord's. And so, as he's talking about this, I believe what we're seeing here is a talk, and it's a longer section about this idea of Sabbath, and eventually we'll have a full Sabbath rest in heaven to look forward to, uh, where no more pain, no more crying. And yet, I think he's saying uh, one person views all days alike, or secular, or just, they're all just days, and another sees all days alike as holy. They say every day is holy. And some people set aside a day and say, today I'm just going to focus on the Lord. And rather than helping this disagreement by picking a side, I think Paul's way of handling it is not to side with either one. Um, he says it's significant here when he says, one man keeps it to the Lord, another is free to the Lord. Let both honor the Lord. And so, what's this say about our rhythm of life? Well, it might mean that in one season... The time you can set aside to be at the Lord is three or four hours a week, one morning or one afternoon. One season of life, you might get a full 24-hour period from like Friday night to Saturday night, or um, sometimes your work may shift. It may be a different day. Uh, it's a rhythm that you need to be intentional in finding out what works. The idea is that we pursue this rest and figure out what works in the Lord, and that gives us a rhythm that we can go with. And so, as we walk through this and we understand rhythm, we then say, okay, we pick a day for rest, then what does it really look like to rest? Uh, what do we do on that day? You know, watch Netflix and chill, or what do we do? Well, enjoyment is our next step. And uh, you can just go to the next slide. I don't know what's happening here, but uh, enjoyment is all about following the Lord, and this world has so much pain and suffering in it, and yet God has designed it for us to enjoy Him and to enjoy parts of this world. And uh, we even talked about it last night in youth group. It came up, and they called it uh, God Winks or God Kisses. Uh, it's different in every part of the country I live in, or God Moments, some people call it. So it's moments where you just bite into a piece of fruit and say, ah, that is so delicious. I'm just enjoying that. And just thank the Lord for that gift. Or just a moment where you see your child do something that's sweet or create a great memory together or go out on a walk or a hike. It's these moments of enjoying the Lord. And so as we look at enjoyment, uh, I'm just going to read through several verses uh, that talk about um, delight and delighting in the Lord. Hey, it's happy again. Uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. There are so many word, uh, verses that use this word to delight in the Lord. Is that your joy and your heart just is stirred by the Lord? 
Uh, one uh, verse in another psalm says, I will go to the altar of my God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O my God. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord and greatly delight in his commandments. I delight in your decrees. When the Lord gives us laws and the way to live, we delight in it because it brings the most joy into our lives. And then uh, finally in um, 1 Timothy 6.17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who provides us with everything to enjoy. <laughs> the giver of all gifts, the perfect gifts, come from our Heavenly Father above. And we are to enjoy. And it's not, you don't need to feel guilty when you enjoy doing hobbies or enjoying the creation he's made or enjoying food. And so, enjoyment. Do you take time and enjoy? Now, I've been doing some studies, and um, this book is a pretty interesting book. It's a secular book, just a scientific study of rest. And it's uh, funny, as I mentioned, that they're just discovering God was right. That's why I just want to reach out and tell this guy, you're just discovering this is how God created us. But they're discovering all these scientific facts about rest. And one of them is that rest is most effective when it's active rest. And so active rest is when you're doing an activity other than work that you enjoy, but uh, keeps your mind somewhat active. Going for a walk... Uh, Helps you to, you're active, you're moving, and, but your brain is still working. There's this thing called the default mode network. And you have those in computers, but our brain, they've discovered, keeps working when we're sleeping, when we're resting, when we're doing other activities. It's processing memories. It's uh, dealing with problems that we had been working and trying to solve. And so the brain is always active. But when you're locked in on an activity or on a problem or trying to solve uh, some hypothesis or, or come up with some solution at work and you're just focused on it, you can get locked up. And you're just like, ah, you ever been stuck like that? And they say active rest is one of the best steps you can take because the brain will still continue to work on that issue. And then you get what we call or the phenomenon of aha moments, the light bulb, bing. And they have about 30 different stories of scientists and um, mathematicians and creative writers who uh, were going along and they're frustrated with the task. And so they finally said, I just need to set this problem aside. And then sometimes two weeks, three weeks, a month later, while they're doing a recreation activity or on a walk, all of a sudden, in their mind comes the answer, and they're like, I've got it, and I've got to run back to the lab. It's amazing how God designed our minds like that. When we stop and realize that we're finite and just walk in his presence and trust in him. And so there's a teacher by the name of Erno at uh, an academy of arts in Budapest. And he was frustrated. He had this great idea in his head of all these now, little blocks that would come together and rotate on an axis and solve this puzzle. And he was just, he couldn't figure out how to make it all hold together. It's just a jumbled mess on his table and in his head. 
And so frustrated, he walked away. And it had been a month or so, and on a spring day, he walked by a bubbling brook and just enjoying the outdoors and started to stare. And he saw the water breaking around these pebbles. And he's like, I've got it. <laughs> the water flows, and Erno Rubik then came up with the Rubik's Cube because he figured out that you need a hinge joint on each of these, and he designed it based on what he saw there with the water flowing around so you could do this. And I can't solve it in 16 steps, but you know, I'll toss it to you guys, and Tyler will probably finish it before the sermon's over. So... Uh, isn't that amazing? This, some of these things we have, it's like, boom, I figured it out. It came right into his mind. And so active rest is key in understanding yourself and what helps you to rest. And um, <clears throat> I couldn't get the web page to convert over, but on like uh, one of those news websites, one of the headlines came across, fishing is good for your health, 13 reasons discovered. So... That's my active rest, as you know, but what is your active rest? What is something you enjoy doing? Something that's not only good for your body, it could be different things at different times and seasons in your life, but finding things we can actively do to take our minds away uh, from stress or work is important, not just for the sake of delight, though. The world knows how to do that. We know how to entertain ourselves. It's not just for the sake of delight. It's for the sake of knowing the Lord. So as we look at this, um, we're going to look at all these pieces, but they come together, and it looks different, once again, for different people in different seasons. And so the next thing we talk about is solitude. And when I mean solitude, I mean being with the Lord, just being with God. Uh, we have a problem that is getting worse and worse, and is different than any time in history uh, humans have always been distracted, but now we have an, a, a distraction addiction because everything is at our fingertips in this square or rectangular little phone. And everything comes in an instant. It is hard to be still, isn't it? Uh, e even when I'm trying to have the time with the Lord, there's mornings where I just leave my phone plugged in 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 my uh, bedroom, go down to the uh, church office, little area we have set up. That way, I'm not tempted to just check an email. Or sometimes I find myself staring at this. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. I just saw my phone, picked it up, checked email. So these things can pop into our minds to distract us at a moment's notice. And uh, of course, some of us, you know, we can be in the outdoors and be like squirrel and get distracted. Uh, but it's hard to spend time to slow down, to eliminate hurry, eliminate rush, and just be with the Lord and enjoy the Lord. So solitude for believers is rest. Uh, for believers, rest is a reminder that the Christian life is a day-by-day, hour-by-hour trust in the promises of God. It's reminding ourselves that God is there to help us. God is there to guide us. He is there to take care of us. He has forgiven us. He is bringing us into a future of holiness. He wants us to have joy. He's given us those things for delight. He is the one that satisfies our hearts more infinitely than anything else we could do, want, ask, or imagine. It is God. 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 We must be reminded that we are unfinished works that God uses to impact other unfinished works. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. 
And so we need to receive limits as a gift. When you stop and you rest, you're saying, I trust in God more than my own ability to get this work done. The world is still going to exist when I pick up my phone in six hours. And it's not going to change that much. There's not going to be any event that I have to know right away. God's got it. It, comes to, it helps us to remember God's gift to us is that we have limits. We cannot control the weather. We cannot control if we get sick this week. You can't control if you're going to get in an accident in a car tomorrow. We don't know. We can't manipulate the future. There are very few things we can control. We can do our best with our children, but ultimately they're God's children. We pour into them, but they make their own choices, don't they? And we have to lay them at God's feet. Resting and realizing, Lord, I am limited. I need you. I've got to lay everything at your feet. Do you ever take time to do that? And it's not about, you know, the world is good and we're starting to learn that we need to care for ourselves, but ultimately I can't care for myself as good as God can care for me. And do I really believe that and trust that enough to stop and just spend time listening and talking to God? That's when you can get your own aha moments of a, a scripture that comes in or God reveals to you a sin that you've been struggling with and how to overcome it or Maybe you understand a passage or something about God differently. Or maybe you just stop and you look back and you realize, I was so busy spinning those plates. I didn't realize God answered four prayers last week. And you stop and you thank him and say, thank you for answering that prayer. I had just gone on spinning the next plate and just didn't even take a moment to say, Lord, <laughs> you line that all up for me. Um, it's, it's amazing how God does that. Uh, author Henry Nouwen says this. He says, In solitude, we slowly unmask the illusion of our possessiveness and discover in the center of our self that we are not what we can conquer, but we are what is given to us from the Lord. In solitude, we listen to the voice of the Lord by getting in the, in the scriptures, and we listen to the voice of the one who spoke a word, who healed us, before we could even make any gesture to help ourselves, who set us free long before we could ever help to free others, who loved us long before we could ever learn how to give love to someone else. In solitude, we discover that being with God is more important than having things, and that what we are worth is more, uh, is more than the result of our personal efforts. It's a result of whose we are. In solitude, we discover our life is not a possession to be defended. It's a gift to be shared. And so in, in Hebrews, uh, the author talks about the idea of rest. And um, he says this, um, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered this rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. He's reminding people that Sabbath is still active. Um, and then you can go to the next verse, and the next verse says, Let us therefore strive to enter into rest, so no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, 
discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Isn't that interesting? He talks about rest, entering into rest, and then the Word of God. We often pull that verse and love to quote it, but we don't realize it's in the context of God wanting to be with us, and it's in that moment of rest when we put the distractions aside that the sword of the Spirit, that God penetrates us deeply with His Word. And whether it's sometimes it's just man, 10 minutes and God can do that. Setting things aside for 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 15 and it gives you that gift. It's the Holy Spirit works in us. But do we set aside time to be with the Lord? And so solitude allows the Holy Spirit to do that work of the Word in our lives. And so we have intentional rhythms, finding your day. Uh, we have times where you go out and enjoy, but then you have times of solitude. And it's not all going to happen on every Sabbath. The idea is being intentional and understanding what gives us rest and what you need at that season or that moment or that week or that day. And then we move into the final category, which is thankfulness, which is an umbrella over all of it, really. It's having this attitude of gratitude and being thankful for what God has given us. And um, Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and be thankful. And the idea there is a continuous thanks. In the Greek there, it says it's a continuous action, being thankful. Whenever you think of something, take a moment and give thanks. And uh, another verse, and I uh, believe I might have it up there, is Second uh, Timothy. And um, it says, oh, I don't think I have it up there. Let me double check. But um, the final verse is, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And that's from Hebrews. So, are you grateful that we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken? <laughs> Our future is secure in Christ. All these things going around the world, and yet our eternity is never going to be touched. God is going to have ultimate victory, and it is hard. Sometimes you have to focus on the little things to be thankful for because the big things in life aren't going well. And that's a reality that we have to deal with. And so as we look at this, I, I think of uh, how important it is to rest and to help us go into battle because it is a spiritual battle that we're in. And we're going to talk about that when we jump back into Mark. They're always facing spiritual enemies not just the Pharisees, the demons uh, and people that are possessed. What is that all about? And yet there's a spiritual world we struggle with, and the devil wants us to be restless. He wants our souls to not have any peace or trust in the Lord. And in the midst of it, it is a battle, and we need to rest. Dwight Eisenhower, the commanding general of the European Theater of Operations, for the United States in World War II, went over to Europe and started to have his hub there as the war was raging on. But you know what he did that not a lot of people know? Um, he got a place, and it was called the Telegraph Cottage. He found a cottage by a pond and with trees, and he only told four or five of his people about it. And he would, in the midst of the war raging on, dedicated time, and he would go and disappear for a day or two come back rejuvenated with a fresh perspective to lead the troops, to give morale a boost. And the rule, while you're at this telegraph cottage, was no shop talk. 
nope. Let's say, you know, I'm sure there's some major keys they said let him know about. But other than that, relax, let's enjoy. That way we can go back. And that actually made him a more effective leader. Sometimes we think stepping away is not going to make us more effective. But how much so in our spiritual battle do we need to trust in that? And so the truth is that you can leave here today and make no changes, but eventually, if you don't rest, rest will be forced upon you through burnout, or you'll just be exhausted, or you'll just be ineffective and frustrated spiritually and even in your work. And so uh, a good example of this uh, would be Chick-fil-A. Their founder from the beginning, each business he has owned, he said, I want to do things by the principles I believe are in Scripture and be a good steward. And so no matter which business he's run, he's always given his employees Sundays off. He said, well, it's practical and I want to attract the best employees. But then he's also said, I think when you take a day off, that chicken just smells all the more sweet on Monday morning. <laughs> and yet... They don't have as many locations, but the average income per location is uh, just as high as uh, McDonald's and Subway, which are everywhere. They haven't been damaged in their business. Uh, what areas do we think will be damaged if we take a rest, but we don't trust them to the Lord and step back? You see, the only thing more automatic than rest is breathing. And yet... Even though I'm breathing, I've been breathing this whole time, if we stop and we're intentional about our breathing, athletes have learned it helps them to be more effective. And uh, even Kara is so interesting. She's telling me she works with trauma patients or people that have gone through really stressful times, and if they get their breathing under control, it helps the healing process. How much more so if we get our rhythm of life under control and trust it to the Lord. Growing to be more like Jesus, loving others well, uh, it frees our minds to be creative, to solve challenges, to get a new perspective. And this isn't just for you. This is a, a command I believe we want to build into our church life. And so as we have grown, we've worked hard to get people to give others a break in different areas of ministry. If you need that, let us know. Somebody will step up. But we also want to look at um, during the year? Is there a Sunday where we just cease and tell everybody to go and Sabbath and do this rest, uh, rhythm, enjoyment, and solitude and thankfulness as a family? And don't come here, but be with the Lord. That's something we want to be intentional about and building in, um, even as uh, we grow and God continues to challenge us. Uh, we want to live this out. And so our final question, I think it's two slides down, is um, what's your next step? Each week this year when we're speaking, we want to challenge you. Take your next step. Ponder for a moment and ask the Lord in this moment, what is the next step I need to take, Lord? What, what do I need to do? What rhythm of rest will I pursue during this season of life? What can you and your family do to delight in God together? Sometimes we have a plan for that. It doesn't quite work out but at least we pursue it. <laughs> um, especially as you get older and all the kids have different likes and dislikes. And how will you spend time with Jesus and when will you do that? It's a relationship, not a checklist. <laughs> and then how will you express thanks to God? 
you have moments where you just stop in the middle of a meal and say, what are you thankful for this week? Um, those who journal, that can help with that. Um, or put your technology into action. Set a reminder on your phone to remind you to do these things. Put me away. Thank you, Alexa. <laughs> I'll do that. And so consider these things, walk in them, step in them, and trust in the Lord. Because I, I believe if you really embrace uh, working from a place of rest and turning that over and saying, I'm going to go from rest to work, it may seem just like a small change. But see what the Lord does with it. Uh, trust him and take that next step. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you <laughs> that you are uh, a God of great design. And in your design, you designed rest. You uh, designed rhythms of life for us to take. And you willingly said, <laughs> don't go it alone. Come to me. Let me take that yoke and walk with you through life. So we know life isn't easy. And rest isn't automatic. And so, Lord, give us the wisdom to take a small step. It, and even if it's just a small step. Today, that made a small step for someone maybe, Lord, I don't even know Jesus, let alone how can he can take my burden. It may be saying, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Help me to rest and trust in your salvation and forgiveness of sins and be empowered because you have risen from the grave that's you just talk to god nothing magical to say you just talk to god confess repent turn to him and trust in him if you've been walking with god for a while and ignoring jesus's command to rest just begin with prayer say lord where is it that i need to adjust and then make small steps don't make it uh, lord help us not to make it into a, a burden of we have to do this or we're failing you Jesus told us Sabbath rest is a gift. And so either we receive it or we don't. And so may we receive it and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing of our great and uh, faithful God this morning.